You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Welcome, everybody, to My Comic Life. My name is Jeff. And I'm Sam. And we want to thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Uh, Sam, it's going to be a movie. It's going to be a movie-heavy uh, show. We had a lot of news and film come out. I know, this week. I know. There's so much stuff going on in news. <laughs> but before we get to everything going on in news, is uh, do us a favor. If you're listening to us and you got this through iTunes, do us a small little favor and go in and rate us. Just give us a couple stars. Preferably five stars. It only takes four seconds. And if you're feeling really generous, uh, just write a little review like this show is amazing or, you know, I recommend the show. If you're feeling really generous, that helps us out more than you would imagine. And while you're in there searching iTunes for our show, check out all the other great shows on the Next Wave Radio Network. We got the guys over at 8-Bit that talk about video games. We got Joe and Joel, who were actually in the studio earlier today recording the new episode of The Editing Bay. And then uh, we have a new show, uh, Angela and Daniel, which is talking about life, relationships, sex. It's a really great show. That one comes. That one's brand new. It comes out on uh, Fridays. So a lot's going on, and we want to thank you for all the support. Sam, uh, any anything big happened to you? No, just kind of you know still thinking back to Comic Con. Had some. Had I had some, had some post Comic Con thoughts that actually came up. Okay, so get this. It's funny <clears throat> you bring that up. I wasn't going to talk about this, but now it seems relevant. I had a I had a really weird dream last night where did you have a dream about Comic Con? Because yes. I had a dream about Comic-Con well, well, okay, last night. Okay, so... Whoa, that's weird. I know. But my dream was... Since I haven't actually experienced it, is my, I think my dream was really fucked up. Is My dream was Comic-Con was happening inside like a giant mall, like Mall of the America-sized mall. And each panel slash like uh, booth and all that was at a different store. So and the problem with uh, with the con was is not every single store was participating in the con. So you had to know like okay, this store isn't this store is participating. It was really weird and I just woke up and I immediately thought like I just want to go to Comic Con now. Like it's, I'm imagining yours was nothing like that. No. Uh, mine involved Kaylee Cuoco from The Big Bang Theory dressed up as Supergirl, and I dreamed that like she kept going to the con, and for some reason, stuff kept keeping me from going with her. Like, I kept getting... Like, like, like she invited you? Yeah, I mean, like, we were supposed to be, like, going together, and also, like, like, at the end of, like, every day, she would come back with these amazing stories, and I'd be like, shit, I overslept, or shit, I got held back at the pool for something. And finally, I was like, it's the last day. I am going with you, you know? Wow. But no, uh, just one quick... Follow up to a story I, I gave last week. Okay, you were kind of giving me some shit for being over at the uh, Busty Babes comic book area. Oh yeah, you because you mentioned this to me yeah. off off yeah. the air, and you're like, this really justified my reason for being over there. <laughs> Not so, so you didn't sound like a complete fucking horn dog. Yeah. No, so I mean, the way it is at, at Comic Con, like the like the big like uh, comic book, you know, like names all set up in the middle, but some of the more lesser ones, yeah, uh, they're, they're set up, yeah, they're all they're all the, bunched outside. together. And like one section on the aisle, and, and so you know, I was looking at Cross, which is a really kind of fucked up horror comic, which is I'm not written familiar. by the same guy that did Preacher, but right next to the Cross booth, which is was the Busty Babes booth, and so like I wandered over there because they had a five dollar bin, and this guy comes up behind me and he goes, "Hey, 
you should pick up these books. And I was like, and I was like, really? Why should I do that? And I kind of snorted a little bit and he goes, because I wrote them. Oh, <laughs> shit. So the reason essentially why you went to the Busty Babes comic uh, booth was because the author of the comics was like, hey, come to the booth and like kind of bullied you to go over. Yeah, no, because I mean, well, here's what happened. Like, like I wandered up and, and I just saw a $5 bin and I was just kind of flipping through them, kind of, you know, making little snide jokes about them. And, you know, and then the guy walks up behind me and he's like, and he's like, he's like, you should buy this. And I was like, I was like, really? Why? He's like, because I wrote it. And, and I was like, will you sign it? And he goes, yeah, sure. Well, so that's cool. You you yeah. you you got you got a, a comic you've so never heard the, of before. I and picked up two for like ten dollars because there's there's like a volume one and like a volume two. And I thought, well, if I read okay. one, I'm gonna. So I mean, and and for and uh, was this a like an annual like a a, a, a like basically like a graphic novel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it was it was like a, a trade paperback, basically. Right, right. And so for five bucks for one of those, that's actually a really good deal. And then yeah. on top of that, to get the uh, author to sign it, that's yeah. that's an even better deal. And then they gave me a twenty five percent off card to, to their website too. <laughs> I don't know smart, what I'm going to buy off smart, of that website. Smart, smart marketing, smart yeah. marketing. But so, yeah, those are just some post-Comic-Con thoughts I had. Yeah, I that like, you wanted to clarify. <laughs> that I, yeah, I, I want to clear that up just a little bit. <laughs> All right, well, Sam, like I said, we got a shit ton of movies to, uh, news to talk about, so let's dive right into it. First off, Rob Zombie is making another movie, and I guess he's not getting the studio back. Well, I... Most of his films are independent. It is uh, I believe a, I, I know I know at least one or two were done by Lionsgate after Lords of Salem failed to deliver at the box yeah, office. Yeah, but Lords of Salem is he was trying something different, like Devil's Rejects, A House of a Thousand Corpses. He was really going for that shock, like you know, uh, just bloody oh, oh. thing. And with Lords of Salem, I felt like he was trying to do a more suspenseful film. But the problem is, is your lead actress isn't an actress, it's your wife. And, yeah. you know, it's like, uh, so I do think that, yeah, the, the flop of Lords of Salem did hurt him a little bit. And maybe that's why he's having to resort to crowdfunding for his next film. And, but, well, it, it, I, it's... I've liked a lot of his work. Some people didn't. I thought the reboot of Halloween was really good. I, I didn't <clears throat> give it... I'm when it comes to Halloween, I'm a purist because Halloween was like the, f you know, everyone has the has a horror movie that they grew up on watching as a child, and for me, it was Halloween. My older brother showed it to me. It was the very first horror movie. I remember I watched it in broad daylight, and it still scared the living shit out of me. So for me, I'm, I'm a purist when oh, it comes man, to Halloween. Of course, the original Jamie Lee Curtis still holds up, but I'm right. saying, well, but in, in 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 an era of really shitty reboots at times, Rob Zombie's one really didn't disappoint me. Well, and and what I did like about Rob Zombie's uh, reboot of of Halloween was that it did show a little more story of Michael Myers uh, when he was locked away. I liked how it showed how he got the mask, how he got you know kind of like the right. jumpsuit that he that he wears, right? And, and, and right, and like he gives more depth and to be like you know behind the mask because that's where he feels safe and all that type. But of the shit. Devil's Rejects, I mean, Rob Zombie ruined me on on uh, Freebird by uh, <laughs> Leonard Skinner. Yeah, I will never look at uh, see Leonard I never Skinner hear that ruined song. Freebird for me. I I never hear that song that I don't see, and I think it is a beautifully shot thing. But but you have to be able to like gore and respect it, right? But at the end. Uh, spoiler if you haven't seen yeah if you House, haven't seen if, it if you haven't seen Devil's Rejects no we're way past that like yeah. you know at the end of the film set to Freebird the psychos 
are charging toward this barricade of sheriff cars and shotguns, and they're being blown away in this beautifully cut and shot scene right. while Freebird plays in the background. So hats off to you, Rob Zombie. Right, and you know, and I wasn't as much a fan as Devil's Reject as I was of House of a Thousand Corpses because House of a Thousand Corpses, if you watch the way he did that film, you know, and he fully said, like, you know, yeah, you were going to be able to tell that Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a hev- heavily influenced me on making this film. It was almost a remake. Almost. Well, no, now that I say that, I take that back. But, but like, the, those but, kids stop off at like the chicken Right, right. Stand. With a Chris, Har- uh, uh, an uh, overweight Chris Hardwick. He's the one that uh, after they go in and do the little tour at uh, the chicken place, yeah. he's the one that runs out and was like, Dr. Satan! Is that really? That's Chris Hardwick. Oh my gosh. That's Chris Hardwick. And then uh, the, his buddy is Rain Wilson, a.k.a. Dwight from The Office. I need I need to go back and watch this because when I got it on DVD, my DVD skipped around a lot. Oh yeah. So like it went from like them in a house to like the SMN kind of like doctor yeah. guy showing up, and I was like, wait a minute, what just happened here? Right. And I was also you know I was also 16 when uh, House of a Thousand Corpses came out, and I just loved that soundtrack. But then again, at 16, I was a big metalhead and already loved. Jeff, maybe you and I should get together and rewatch Devil's Rejects and House. We of a should. Thousand we Corpses. should. But so we're not here to talk about his past works. No. What is 31 about? It's- so 31 is. The is a movie that Rob Zombie is going to cra- uh, crowdsourcing for, and first of all, let's talk about the plot. The plot of the movie, I feel like he might be uh, dipping his pen in this uh, what in the inkwell too much on this. Uh, is so here here's the plot of Thirty One. Oh shit, I was not scrolled down to no, I was at the right place. Thirty One uh, takes place five days leading up to Halloween, and uh, five people are kidnapped. And so uh, one person is kidnapped each day, fi- the, uh, the five days leading up to Halloween. Yes. Then on Halloween, they have to play a game called 31, and the, ga- and the rules of the game require that the person kidnapped must kill his or her opponent along with a group of clowns called the Heads in uh, 12 hours to be freed. So I- I'm trying to think. There was another movie... Like this, where, God damn it, what was it? There, there, there was another movie where it was something like this, where two people were. Oh no, no, I'm not thinking of the. I guess it's kind of like the Hunger Games, yeah, where they're all pitted against each other. Yeah, but but I'm with hoping- Rob Zombie, like he's, they're gonna be like, we're not gonna kill each other. He's gonna be like, okay, you both die. You I'm know? getting, I'm, I'm getting a vision for this. It's probably not Rob Zombie's vision, but my vision would be to set it in like in. An abandoned amusement park. I think that would be like the most coolest place to see this go down. Right, right. And also, his clowns have been kind of a theme throughout his movies. Yeah. You know, is is you look at Devil's Rejects, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Halloween, like I said, I didn't see it enough, so I don't really Well, I mean, know. Michael starts out wearing a clown mask okay. when he kills his mom at the beginning of the right. film. Right. Lords of Salem, I think he strayed away from that. Uh but clowns have and clowns can be scary as shit. I remember uh, my brother showed me killer clowns from outer space the day before we went to the circus. Now that's just cruel. And I was so scared. The like my mom took uh, me, my brother, and my sister. So it's three kids and my mom, and I am crying up a storm. 
So she's trying to comfort me while yelling at my brother for showing me the movie. Meanwhile, my brother's laughing his ass off, and my sister's just like, I just want to enjoy the circus. And like, I just remember I had to sit next to my mom. She's like, see, these aren't the scary clowns. You know, these are the good clowns. Yeah, I mean, you got it. Yeah, yeah. The first time I watched it, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't watch it after the sewer scene when he. Uh, when All the things float down here. Yeah, yeah. After like, I had to turn it off and wait. Ma- Side ma- note: Reboot twenty fifteen. No shit of it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, anyways, thirty one is being crowdfunded uh, to to make this film, and and you know normally when you think of crowdfunding, you think of uh, something on Kickstarter where okay, you donate this amount and you get this level of uh, package. Uh, I did that for the BMS movie. I donated fifty bucks, and I'm getting a T-shirt and some beer mugs. Oh man, see, I donated I donated a hundred and fifty to earbuds. Um, it's uh, the Graham Elwood and. I forget the other guy's name. They do the comedy film nerds. Um, they're doing a documentary all about podcasting. And so I donated uh, 150 to them. And I, I'm getting like a digital download, a physical copy, plus some swag from different podcast networks and all that. So anyways, Rob Zombie decided not to go the whole Kickstarter route. He's doing an, another uh, crowdfunding website. I forget the actual name of it, but it's one I hadn't really heard of. Because I know it's not Kickstarter, and I know it's not GoFundMe, so I forget what it is. But instead of you know just doing like, okay, this much gets you this much, this much gets you this much, what he's actually doing is he is auctioning off props from his past movies. And that's how he's raising money for the film 31. Jeff, are there any props from Halloween 1 and 2, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects that you'd want? (sighs) 16-year-old me would want Dr. Satan's, like, little spider thing. Like, at the end of House of a Thousand Corpses, when they're underground, Dr. Satan has that, like, weird thing that's, like, attached to his arms that almost is, like, an exoskeleton. 16-year-old me would want that. Present-day me would definitely... I don't know what I'd want, actually. Actually, I don't know if I'd want anything. Maybe something from Spalding's like chicken place or something like Spalding's. that. Spalding's. That's all I can think of that maybe I'd want. The really fucked up side of me, you may think this is terribly fucked up. I'd want the face that the guy wore in, in, in the Jesus. Devil's Rejects. Jesus. Yeah, dude, you're talking about, Jesus, like when they're in the hotel and yeah, he puts, and, it, yeah, and he and puts he, it on the girl. And yeah, she, and, yeah, what yeah. the fuck's wrong with you, Sam? I know, it's totally fucked. Maybe we should just end this episode now and call a therapist like after hours so, emergency session. For those of you that are scratching your head, uh, Devil's Rejects, they, they trap this couple, these... These psychotic killers, serial killers, trapped these this couple in, in this abandoned hotel room. And at no, one, it's not an abandoned hotel room. Oh well, it's just, just it's just they saw they saw this group of musicians uh, checking into this hotel room, and they bust in and take them hostage, and they kill one of them. And just if if you saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he did this as an homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre with uh, Grandpa, the Grandpa in yeah. in uh, the Chainsaw Massacre. Was wearing a face and also Leatherface was as well. Oh well, yeah, Leatherface's mask is constructed of skin from different. Right, victims. and so they kill someone, and then one of them yeah, cuts off the face, and they then- drag this dad or this old man back into a bathroom, and it, it 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 doesn't show it, but he comes out wearing this this bloody fucked up face on his yeah, on his and I face. cannot believe out of everything, <clears throat> that's what you would want. Well, top three, yes, I, I don't know why. Top three, you have more than one, Jesus. <laughs> 
I'd I'd want the face. I'd want the knife that Michael Myers used. I'd either want the Michael Myers mask or Michael Myers jumpsuit. Okay. I can see that. Uh, I knew you were going to think it was totally fucked that I, that I wanted to carve Yeah, up. especially that since that was number one. <laughs> yeah. Especially since that was number one. But yeah, I don't have near the money to be bidding on these props, but those would be the things but, that I want if he offered see, them up. See, I haven't I haven't seen the, the auction site, so, you know, I imagine that, yeah, there are going to be some items that are going to go for like over $10,000, but I also imagine there are going to be smaller items that will, you know, maybe only go for a couple hundred, so... There's, I'm assuming there's a wide range of different price items to fit every fan's need. Sam, I'm going to need so much help with this next uh, movie that we're talking about. Godzilla. <laughs> yes. So monsters have been basically confirmed. Hinted. It's not 100% because the film, you know, is, is I don't even know where they are in pre-production. But there have been a lot of people talking about it. Let them fight. Uh, and oh no, I'm sorry. Um, I this is there was a vocal confirmation, uh, but Comic Con gave us a juicy information, both a vocal and specific confirmation of Godzilla two, as and well. And some of the kaiju you might be seeing in Godzilla two. I'm so glad you said that, and I didn't have to struggle through it. So. Three monsters have been mentioned for the Godzilla 2 sequel. Monster number one, I know, Sam, just say it, it's the R1. <laughs> Rodan. 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 I love that little twang you put on. We got Rodan coming in for the new Godzilla film. Right. So Rodan is a pterodactyl. I mean, let's, let's face it. He, he's, he's kind of a pterodactyl. Um. He, yeah. So okay. You have that. I don't think that's a bit. I don't think that's as big as one as uh, the next two are. Oh, I'm so stoked about the next two. All right. Uh, let's go with the other one. I can pronounce Mothra. Ah, oh, the crowd favorite, the one that fights for humanity. Right. But do you think they might try to turn it turn Mothra into a villain? No, Mothra's always been like the good guy. I mean, kind of like when Godzilla turns heel and, and goes bad. But uh, no, I mean, Mothra is always like the savior of humanity, the one that protects the earth. I mean, it's a, it's a giant fucking moth for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah, yeah. It spits webs out, and it can do some damage with other shit. Right. So Mothra, I mean, a, a legendary character within the Godzilla universe, definitely. Oh, yeah. There have but, been entire reboots devoted to Mothra. But I think I'm this... just wondering if they're going to put in like the singing twin girls that summon Mothra like they did in the Ooh. reboot. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. It was it was it was in a more fucked up Godzilla film. There were these two like little fairy girls, and they and this guy kidnapped them and put them in cages, and they sang to free Mothra to call Mothra. Right. I don't know, man. They might. Now here's the big one, because oh. this is the one that everyone's gonna recognize, and you're gonna have to finish off the second word, King Ghidorah. Oh God, awesome, great timing on that too, Sam. The three-headed dragon. I think that can shoot lightning or fire from its breath. I and I th- I think I think I'm just gonna call him the king is more is probably the most recognizable villain against Godzilla. I would have to argue against that one. Who would you say is the most recognizable villain against Godzilla then? King Kong. But that's like a crossover series. Like, I know. Like, like that's when they do a crossover. I'm not talking about a crossover. Okay, I guess I'm talking about like so because does King Kong exist in the Godzilla universe solely? Like. I mean, it's like, kind of hard to say well, because I mean, King Kong fought Godzilla, and in one version, Godzilla wins, and in one version, King Kong wins. 
Right. So they were kind of doing that to be like, okay, let's appeal to the Godzilla fans who want to see King him fight King Kong, and then vice versa. So I, I don't know if I'd really count that. I I I just I don't think I would count that. I sorry, Sam. I don't think I would. So now that. King Kong is out of the picture. Sam, I'm going to ask you again. King Ghidorah. Thank you. I think King Ghidorah alone for the second Godzilla film would be fine. But do you think that if they were to include all three of these monsters that they were tr- that they're trying to do too much? I mean, and and let's let's let, let, let's look at some films that have already been made. Amazing Spider-Man 2. They Amazing Spider-Man 1 still got some flack, but was, I think, better than what most people give it credit for. And then Amazing Spider-Man 2, they tried to put in, like, what, three, four different villains, and the movie just blew. I th- Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a prime example, in my opinion, of less is more. You don't need all these villains to have a good movie. You can you can have just one good guy and one bad guy and have a nice fulfilling movie. Whenever I hear that they're adding in all these different villains or in this case all these different monsters, I immediately get cautious because then they can't devote as much time and storyline to each individual monster. Well, if it's done right, this could be quite interesting. Like <clears throat> you could have Rodan show up for the first act, have Godzilla smack the shit out of Rodan. Rodan's out of the picture. And then all of a sudden, King Ghidorah comes out of nowhere, and people start realizing that Godzilla's not going back in the ocean this time. Like, he's sticking around, and he's going to start mucking shit up because pride demands that he takes down anyone that challenges him. And so he gets in a huge, costly battle with King Ghidorah, upon which Mothra must show up and help Godzilla defeat King Ghidorah before subduing Godzilla and taking him back into the ocean. All right, we got to copyright this, so just in case the studio tr- hears this and wants <laughs> to steal that as a plot idea. Yeah, I expect full... <laughs> sorry. Jeff and I expect Thank full you. credit. Th- Thank you, Sam. I sure. appreciate I'll, that. I'll, I'll cut you into my idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but, but still... In I've, that type of scenario, I think it could work. But you're right, though, because each monster is going to get limited time on film, so it right. could... Hurt less is more. I could have just done with King Ghidorah fighting Godzilla, and I would have been happy. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you on that. Unless we're gonna kind of go Monster Island plot here, where like you, just Godzilla on an island and monsters just start attacking from all sides. Yeah, but I never saw Monsters Island. Did you? I've saw the. It's been a long while. But so were there really like? I'm just trying to think like. So then, how do you add people into that equation? Because if there's an island and it's called Monster Island, well, that's just kind of like the name of the film, and I could be, oh, be okay. kind of butchering that a little bit. But basically, yeah, it was all these Godzilla monsters just showed up on an island, and it was just like fight. And okay, yeah, see, and, and, and just went and, after. And that's what I'm thinking is like, how do you develop a story? How do you develop a plot when there are no people and it's just an island full of monsters and everyone's just fighting each other? Uh, the, the army brat from the first film, he and his wife think that moving to this far off island will not, <laughs> will somehow keep them out of harm's way and then all of a sudden all the monsters show up. So like that, that couple is just fucking doomed is what you're telling me. Yes. Okay. Good to know. Let's move from the monster realm of things to the spiritual realm of things. So bad news, Ghostbuster lovers, Ghostbusters three just it, it fell apart. It's, it's not going to happen. And there are, I mean, everyone wanted to see it happen, but 
with the death of Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis, and then after the death of Harold Ramis, also I, Murray never confirmed he was even going to come back. Correct, for a you're third absolutely film. right. Murray never fully committed. Uh, so you have the death of Harold Ramis, the wishy-washy like, is Bill Murray going to be on board? Is he not? And then I, you know, I left you with Dan Aykroyd and Winston Zeddemore. Right, but then I think the final blow, uh, and I don't know which order all these things happened in, but then Ivan Reitman, the original director, backed out of the project too. I think his son should have stepped up and done it. No. I totally disagree because I've heard interviews with both uh, Ivan Reitman and Jason Reitman. Jason Reitman. And while they have a good relationship and like they can work together like they did on Up in the Air, Jason Reitman I don't think would take on that project because even though he's like, okay, I understand my dad's fucking Ivan Reitman, he still wants to create his own identity. And if you take on a franchise that your dad did and basically – you know, I mean, shit. I mean, Ghostbusters is just a, a fucking huge fran- fran- franchise. It's iconic. That's an even better word than what I'm <clears throat> looking for. Is he would be? He already is compared to his dad somewhat, and doing doing a Ghostbusters you think film. He'd be living in his father's exactly. shadow. Exactly, and I don't think he wants that. You know. All right. Well, Jeff, tell me who is going to be ballsy enough to do this Ghostbusters reboot. I hadn't said there was going to be a reboot, Sam. If there fucking, is a reboot. You fucking killed my lead, what I was ramping up to, you asshole. Okay, since it looks like Ghostbusters 3 is dead, there are now talks of a Ghostbusters reboot. The director in question, even though it's not confirmed, is going to be Paul Feige. F-E-I-G. What did he direct? Bridesmaids. Yay, that was actually a funny movie. That was a really funny movie. Now the question is, does he want an all-female cast? Sam, I'm just going to mute your mic if you keep burying my goddamn leads, all right? (laughs) I'm trying to build up to shit and you keep ruining it. Yes, that was the other big twist, Sam, is, or I guess not another, the big twist. The big reveal. The big reveal is they are thinking of rebooting Ghostbusters with an all-female cast. Hey, Jeff. Oh my god! If, yes. Can I ask you a question? Yes. If you had to sit through an all-female Ghostbusters, who would you want to see? Honestly, I would say is I would kind of keep to the cast of Bridesmaids and and kind of go with that with the funny uh, SNL female cast. Uh, you know, Kristen Wiig, Amy Poehler, uh, Tina Fey. Kind of pull from that pool, and in fact. Uh, this is a quote. I don't know who. Uh, oh, uh, this is from Variety, and the source is not listed. They just refer to him as a source. Uh, the quote: "The movie is a total reboot, most likely with female characters played by comedic actresses in uh, the ghost-busting roles, <sighs> so according wrong. to a source." Uh, so wrong. The script will be written from scratch, also according to Variety, which adds that no formal negotiations have yet begun with uh, Paul, Fiji, Fergie, whatever. You want to know who my ultimate Ghostbusters cast is? All female? All female. Okay, go. Miley Cyrus, Lindsay Lohan, Demi Lovato, and Taylor Swift. I'm not even going to dignify that with a response <laughs> because just you're just trying to get a goddamn rise out of me. <laughs> Damn right I am. I would never go with that cast. No, that'd be a terrible, terrible cast. Oh, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I think it like could you work. Would go with like new school SNL. I kind of want to go with like old school actresses. You know, uh, Sigourney Weaver. I I just don't th- because if they're gonna, she re- has a tie into the franchise. True. And, I would. I want. And, like, the, and tr- first of all, that's one strike I think against her because people would be like, 
you know, she's in Ghostbusters, but she's not playing the same role. I think that'd be actually uh, a strike see, against I, I, her. I, I, I kind of want like Sigourney Weaver, like Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, like like, like throwback scream queens. But, but at the same, but she's right there, scream queens. This Ghostbusters isn't a horror movie; it's a comedy movie. I know, so they'll they'll be spoofing themselves, which is great. I totally don't agree with that because I don't because I don't think they have the comedic chops to pull off a comedy. I, oh, come I, on. I don't think they do. You don't want to hear. Uh, oh my gosh! I just I just listed her. <laughs> Blanking on her name. Sigourney Weaver. Yes. Say one more time. Get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> no, I mean, like maybe do a cameo, maybe do something like that. But but as a leading role, absolutely not. And the other thing is, I don't want to sound like I'm discriminating against age, but they're Jamie Lee Curtis, Sigourney Weaver. They're kind of older. When you look. At the original Ghostbusters, they were younger. They Comedy were younger knows guys. no age. While I do agree with you on that, this is something that they are going to, if if they do this reboot. They want it, it to appeal to a younger audience. Right. It's first of all, yes, the reboot will be for a new generation. Second of all, they will, if, it, if they reboot it and it is a success, they will want to make sequels. And you look at Sigourney Weaver and you look at Jamie Lee Curtis, they aren't turning out movies like they were before. There's more downtime in between their movies. And also Sigourney Weaver's really kind of probably caught up in the uh, Avatar 2 uh, filming and the Avatar 3 filming that's going to be going on. Okay, if I really had to like settle on a cast, um, I'd want the blonde girl from Community. Oh, um, Gillian Jacobs. Uh, oh my gosh. And okay, no. <laughs> who else you got? <laughs> Mila Kunis, because she proved to me she could be funny in Ted. And I think coming, kind of, kind of coming out of out of out of left field there, she could, she I could don't, do this. I don't see her in. I'm even though it's not an action movie, there are like action sequences, and I also I think she's just too like kind of like frail, like you know, putting on like the backpacks. That's gonna fucking crush That'd be her. Be hilarious. Funny scene. She falls over the first time she puts on the backpack. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying no, but I'm just saying I think they could do a better job at casting. Aubrey Plaza. Uh, what? Parks and Rec. Oh, um, she's uh Ron Swanson's assistant. Who? Right. Uh, April. Yeah, April. A- April. Okay. 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 I get. Yeah. And then Rashada Jones, also from Parks and Rec. That would be kind of my contemporary cast woman I would like to see yeah. bust, bust ghost. And I can see that. And, and it's not even perfect. Like, like that's me kind of, you know, spitballing like right there on the top right. of my head. But yeah, right. those I, are my four, because it's Ghostbusters originally was a four-man crew. Right. And if I it has can, to be a four-woman crew, then yeah, those would probably be four women I would pay to go see bust ghost. I could see that. Okay. <clears throat> Ooh, I could also see Rita. She's the, uh, or Retta. Uh, she is also from Parks and Rec. Uh, she and, um... Aziz and Zari, uh, the two of them have like that weird, funny relationship. I forget her character's name. I think name. that you could just take like Aziz Ansari's Nick Offerman and Chris Pratt and put them in Ghostbusters, and I would be in- incredibly happy Dude, with that. Chris Pratt is the hot shit right now. I uh, know. As we're going to discuss. After- oh, and Adam Scott. Just put Adam Scott, Aziz Ansari's, and Chris Pratt. Yeah. So essentially, like, let's just take the cast of Community. I think they only or have Parks and Rec. <laughs> like, that's what I meant. Parks and Rec plus Gilliam Jacobs from Community. Yeah. And. Uh, and yeah. just make yeah, because Gillian Jacobs can be the new Janine, right? Could be. Uh, so, <coughs> finally, before we get into our big talk, I guess you could say about Chris Pratt and his new movie, there is some news out of the Avengers world. Bum bum bum. And depending on where you fall in the universe, 
And what storyline you're a fan of, this might be good news, this might be bad news. I'm I'm kind of neutral on this, uh, but there is a chance that, uh, oh God, I already want to fuck up his name, Thanos. Yes! <laughs> good for you! Prep pays off. There's a chance Thanos might not be in the Avengers 2. And I'm uh, okay with that. Are you? Yeah, because it's Age of Ultron. Thanos has nothing to do with the creation right. of Ultron. But at the end of the first Avengers, they kind of give you this big hint that maybe he's going to be a big part of the second Avengers film. No, because third. It's always been confirmed you, that he's probably going to be the bad guy in the third one, which is going to... By the way, I'm probably going to bust one of your bubbles here again. All right. Bring in Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, no, there's already talks that Guardians of the Galaxy is there's going to be um, a, maybe a tie-in. Avengers three. Oh, I see. I thought Avengers two. Because the whole point is that they're building up to Thanos getting the Infinity Gauntlet. Cause right. They, Which is they already have three Infinity Stones. You need two more to finish off the Gauntlet. Right. And we're going to talk about one of the stones coming up in yes, a second. And you can probably get one of them in Thor three, and maybe the other one is what powers Ultron. Mm -hmm. In Avengers 2, dun dun dun, there's right. your tie-in. But a lot of people assume that since uh, Thanos wasn't like a big, huge part of Guardians of the Galaxy, but, well, I guess. Hey, Jeff, you, you, you know what assuming does? Uh, makes an ass out of you and I? Yes, it makes an ass out of you and me. Oh, whatever. Well, I'm using proper fucking grammar, <laughs> and it's I, so... Bleh. Anyways, Kevin... Feige. Feige had this to say about Thanos in uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron. "Quote: He's not a part. Uh, he's not a part of Avengers Two. I think Thanos does what he wants and shows up where he wants to. And I'm not going to tell him otherwise. You don't know exactly. Smirking at the end of the Avengers, he goes on to say, "By the way, we're still making Avengers Two, so nothing's definite one way or the other. Actually." So Beautifully voiced by Josh Brolin, by the way. Oh, really? That's Josh Brolin? That was Josh Brolin. Wow. Wow. Now that you say that, I can hear it. I can hear it. I agree with you. I don't think it's that big a deal if he's not in Avengers 2, but if they do want to set up for the um, Infinity Gauntlet... He's, uh, he, Ultron's powered by an Infinity Stone. Right. In the end. So that what's that's what makes him so right, hard to but, defeat. But but it, but if they're ramping up for that to be another movie franchise, then I think yeah, okay, having them play a part in in um, uh, Avengers three would be smart, and maybe leaving him out and building more up to his character in Avengers two. No, Avengers three is probably just gonna be called Avengers three: The Infinity Gauntlet. Oh really? Oh, yeah. I, th I thought I thought they were gonna try to do a whole another movie series. No. That's what, that's what the end of the Avengers Phase 1 is all building towards. Uh, hey, but Sam, do you want to talk about a movie that Thanos, Thanos was in? A movie I paid to see three times this weekend? It's a very good movie. Yeah, let's talk about let's it. Let's talk about it. Holy shit, this was such a good movie. Nerdgasm. Oh Complete my god. Nerdgasm. Uh, I'm going off of five hours, of less than five hours of sleep. Hey, so, me and you both. So that way I could still clean my apartment and still make the matinee show uh, of, of Guardians of the Galaxy. I went to an 8.45 showing last night at Alamo Draft House. I didn't, I didn't get home until midnight and woke up at 
Five o'clock this morning. Right. It, it's it's a two hour movie. Yeah. It's it's a it's a great God. It's such a good film. Let me tell you, Chris, Chris Pratt steals the fucking show. Well, right. I mean, he's coming hot off of uh, the Lego Movie, which he even though he just was doing the voice, he was still extremely good in and that. And Parks and Rec is wrapping up its final season. Right. Fun fact, he was only supposed to be in the first season, six-episode arc, and then the writers and producers saw how amazing he was and like, oh, shit, we're keeping this guy around. Right. All right, Sam, you're better at this than I am. Kind of give us an overall plot or storyline, I guess you could say, of what exactly Garden uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is about. Guardians of the Galaxy is kind of like the island of misfit toys. It's things that shouldn't work together that end up working together really well. You have these characters that start out very selfish, very self-centered, and focused on their own needs, but who realize that if they actually work together and come together for the greater good of humanity, they can accomplish amazing feats of strength, power, love, and friendship. That's a really good, uh, really good th- summary of it all. Is So... You have Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, Gamora. Oh, by the way, uh, before we get any further into this conversation, spoilers, all right? I don't want to have to say that every single time we're about to say something. So right now, you've been warned, we are going to give spoilers uh, about Guardians of the Galaxy. So if you have not seen it and you just want to hear us do uh, the new release segment, uh, go ahead and fast forward a little bit because fuck you, spoilers are ahead. Sorry. Continue, Sam. Gamora, uh, Drax the Destroyer, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot. Rock, Rocket Raccoon, his comic book's been taken off. I know. I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that. But then after seeing the film, I'm like, okay, now I get why. Because he, on the surface, it, is like this smart-assy, you know, the, the, this, the scene in the prison... When they first get in there and everyone's kind of uh, eyeing uh, Star-Lord and uh, Groot, uh, Star-Lord starts getting some shit and then Groot punches a guy, or not punches, but like shoves his fingers up his nose. I thought like, and uh, then uh, Rocket was sitting there like, all right, he's with us. It it just reminded me of like so many uh, little mob movies that you've seen where this small little guy's in charge and he has all this muscle around him is I, th- I thought that was really I really liked that and also I really liked how the more you learned about him uh, and this is once again just rocket raccoon about how actually how in depth his character is how there's a lot of different layers to him and you even get that with Groot who only says I am Groot for the entire film Groot the entire film that's all he says but even though he only has three lines he, you feel for the character right. you, you develop an emotional you, connection you, you can tell he has a lot of depth by the way side note rocket raccoon was created by two men one of them was hit by a car and is severely brain damaged and couldn't make it to a screening so you know what marvel did huh. they brought a screening to his long term care facility just so he could watch his creation come to screen that's awesome good for you marvel uh, another thing that's a, another cool really side uh, side story about this movie is chris pratt was stealing stole uh, st- stole st- st- stole stole like one, which, one of his costumes right and like well like he kind of like snuck it out like you know one day he would take this piece and the next day and so now he has a complete outfit from the set 
And he's he's the one who added himself. He's like, yeah, I stole one of the outfits. And the reason why I stole one of the outfits was so if this movie's a hit, and I can go to hospitals and you know meet children in character and do all this. And as soon as he said that, you knew like, okay, well, Marvel, you can't really fuck with him now for stealing the props because he's doing it for an amazingly awesome uh, reason. Last side story, I just got to say, in relation to Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. One theater in New Jersey got the, got it confused, and instead of showing Guardians of the Galaxy, they showed Rise of the Guardians, which is about a bunch of owls defending their land. <laughs> I would be so pissed off. Oh my god! You would think like the the projectionist would like be up in there and be like, "Wait a minute, where is the Marvel logo? Uh oh, uh oh." <laughs> Bust, we just let this roll, or what do we fucking do? D- do you know? Did they just let it roll, or did they, they gave everybody like, like like full refunds and tickets? And, but yeah, they they had the wrong print, and they showed Rise of the Guardians. Wow! Instead of Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, let, let's talk about about the box office numbers for one hundred and sixty million. Ninety four million opening weekend. That puts it as the uh, ninth highest. Um, Opening box office weekend for a Marvel movie. I paid to see it in 3D once and 2D twice. I, I saw it in 3D today, and it was amazing. The 3D wasn't terrible for the parts that kind of were 3D-ish. No, no. Uh, just as a little side note, the uh, three, the top three Marvel opening weekend movies of all t- are up to date. Of course, Avengers is number one, Iron Man 3 is number two, and Spider-Man 3 is uh, number three. That's kind of ironic. Jeff, what were some of your highlights from this film? Scenes that stuck out to you, moments that you loved, moments that caught you off guard? My Probably my favorite moment was when... Okay, so... Uh, let, do you just want to try to kind of go in order of the movie? Okay, well, it starts out that you see like a young Peter Quill and his mom is, is dying, dying. And he runs out of the hospital, grief-stricken, crying... And boom, he gets abducted by aliens, and then it cuts to 26 years later. Which would be? What? 36. He is, he's 36. Well, no, but, but but his mom died when? He was it, 10. It, it was 1988. 88, yes. 88. I was trying to do math. Wouldn't that be present day? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, right, ar- right around t- uh, 2014. And you and I would have been three years old in 1988. That is true. So he gets abducted, and then we f- uh, flash forward, and he's at, and he's... A, he's a scavenger? Ravager. Ravager. He's a ravager, which is essentially a group of people. Ravagers are scoundrels like, and thieves, kind of like Han Solo. They smuggle shit. They obtain right, shit illegally. Right. And they get it across the galaxy to certain high-priced buyers. Uh, opening scene, still one of, one of my favorite parts, when he grabs one of the mutated lizards and starts using it as a, as a microphone. Because the one possession he holds on to more dearly than anything is this... Uh, cassette player that has an, an awesome mixtape that his mom made him. His mom made him a mixtape of all of her, her favorite pop songs. Right, right. Oh, when, and, and we should mention that on her deathbed, she gave him a, a an awesome pro- mix volume too. God damn it, Sam! Bearing the fucking lead again, man. I was gonna say just a present that oh. has a big callback at the end of the movie. But yes, Sam is in the f- as we learned that his uh, awesome volume mix one tape gets destroyed. And he finally opens up the, uh, yeah, well, it gets destroyed. No, they save it for him. Oh, I thought it got destroyed. No, when they when they re- rebuild the ship, like because at the end when he's when he's battling like 
The you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. By the way, second favorite part: the end when he has to distract the big bad guy for. Right. A- okay, but 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 why why is everyone fighting each other? Let's get to this. Is oh. is as we were talking about this? Is one of the um, guardians. No, the stones of the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh yeah, the the Infinity Stones. Yeah. Okay. So one of the, essentially what this whole movie is about is everybody wants this Infinity Infinity Stone. Stone, and so Chris Pratt has it. Ronan is working for Thanos, who is trying to get. Uh, I forget what exa- do you remember? What exactly is the deal on why? Oh, um, like like what what does uh, Ronan oh, get out of gosh. it? Uh. Ronan has a grudge against the planet where uh, the Nova Corps is. Right, that's because, what, that's right. Because like he and and the Nova Corps planet have been waging war back and forth, and if Ronan, who doesn't at uh, first of all know about the Infinity Stone, he just thinks it's some orb that Thanos wants. If he delivers it to him, Thanos guarantees he will destroy the Nova Corps planet. That that's right, that's right. And then Ronan finds out that no, it is an Infinity Stone, and then wants it for himself. So at first, everyone's just after this fear because Chris Pratt wants it because he wants to sell it. And then Rocket Raccoon wants to capture Chris Pratt because there is a bounty out for his head. Uh, Zoe, um, I was about to say Zoe uh, Deschanel. You mean Zoe Saldana. Right. And uh, what was her character's name? Um, Gamora. Gamora. Gamora is on loan to Ronan from Thanos. 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 And so... She's trying to buy her way out of right, like, so, slavery, essentially. Right. So Ronan sends her to get the sphere from uh, from Chris Pratt. And uh, Ronan... Uh, not Ronan. Uh, Groot and Rocket are collecting a bounty on... on uh, Peter Quill that was placed on him by his other gang of Ravagers because he kind of stole this deal out from exactly, underneath Exactly, exactly. And so essentially all four of them meet and have a fight. They all get arrested, and then they have to form this plan. Oh, yeah. no, there, there's four. five and four get it, arrested. It, yeah, it's four, and then they get to prison, and then they meet the fifth, which, by the way, I originally thought it was only the four of them. No, there's Drax the Destroyer, who has a very interesting backstory I hope they go into. Right. So... Th- the, the four of them are fighting over the sphere. They get arrested. They go to this jail, and then they're they're kind of like, shit, we got to stick together, even though we don't really like each other. This this jail had some, to me, a la Tango and Cash moments in there. Oh, really? Why? Well, what? like the part where they're like, take her down to the boiler room, you know? Because like in Tango and Cash, they take both of them down there and like kind of like torture the shit out of them right. you know, and stuff like that. So right. little things like, like that right. just kind of reminded me. Right. So they start to form a plan to escape because... Rocket Raccoon has successfully escaped from, from 22, 22 prisons. Right. And he's like, this one's not going to hold me. And But, you know, so they're like, okay, let's all work together. And this leads me to my one of my favorite scenes where they're like, okay, so what do we need? And he's like, okay, well, we need, you know, all the guards in the prison have these little things wired into their wrist. They're wrist-mounted computers that control all the doors. Right. So he's like, I need one of those, and then I need this from uh, – I need this battery pack – and I need that. And like, there's some dude walking around with like w- one leg, and he has a prosthetic. A, yeah, he's a prosthetic leg, and he's like, and I need that guy's leg. And so they all kind of start going. Uh, oh, so Groot overhears them, and this was my favorite scene. Groot jumps to like the last right, kind of like I've been doing, where I've been jumping to the right. Is is he's, he's like he's like we need this piece last because that's going to set off all the alarms. Groot just overhears, like, oh, we need this, and where it is, and starts and goes and gets it, and he's like, oh, shit. And so they start 
you know, a riot breaks out, and then uh, so they each go off on their own little missions, and they're like, okay, so Chris Pratt goes to the guy with one leg and convinces him to for that guy to give him his leg, and then Zoe uh, oh, Saldana. Saldana, I don't, I, I'm just, I'm more of a fan of Zoe Deschanel. Sorry, Zoe Saldana gets the the wrist computer. And they all meet back up in the control room, and that was like my favorite scene. Was when he when he's like, "All right, I got the guy's leg," and he's like, "Oh, I really don't need it. I just thought it'd be funny if if you got it." That 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 was one of my favorite scenes. I just laughed my ass off on that. So along the way, we find out that uh, Zoe's character has a reputation, and a lot of people want to kill her. And that's where we meet the fifth member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Sam, uh, kind of, you, you know more about this character than I do. Kind of fill us in on who he is. Drax the Destroyer? Yes. Well, if you're going by the comic lore, Drax, uh, Thanos showed up and destroyed Drax's home planet. And yes, did kill his wife and daughter. They mm-hmm. kind of substitute the Lee Pace character, Ronan, in here for this one. But mm-hmm. as he's dying, uh, a, a celestial guardian being named Utu the Watcher shows up and he says, Listen. You just got fucked over. Your family's dead. Your planet's blowing up around you. Tell you what, if you promise to kill Thanos for me, I will construct you this indestructible body, and I will put your brain in it. And, of course, he goes, yes, and that is how Drax the Destroyer is born. Now, Rocket at one point says uh, his people are literal. He won't get it. I'm hoping that Rocket knows his full backstory or something like that because I would hate – because. Drax is supposed to be the, like this really powerful, almost unbeatable warrior. Mm-hmm. And I was having this conversation with another one of my nerd friends, Johnny. He and I are hoping that Drax just got transferred into his body and that he's still learning all its powers and what it can do. Th- because because in, in, the, in, the, in the comic books, like everybody is challenging Drax to a fight and he kicks everyone's ass. Right. Like This guy is nigh unstoppable. And I'm hoping they will build his character to that in the... In the in, in the sequel. Right. But so Drax really wants to kill Gomorra. Yes, because... Because, because Gomorra is working for Ronan. Associates with Ronan. Yes, right. And, and, he, and Peter's like, hey, no, 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 listen, Drax. Ronan also wants to kill Gomorra. So you stick with us and you help us out and Ronan will come to you and then you'll have your yeah, chance like at... Bait. at Yeah, at, at revenge. And he was like, okay, great. So that's how all five of them team up and they all escape the prison together and then you have the galactic battles, and I mean, God, there's just so much that goes on in this two hours. I'm trying to think of like what's the next big key plot point, so we don't give away every little detail, even though we are doing spoilers. Uh, they lose the they that's they right. find out that there's an infinity stone. That's right. Then they finally from f- the from the collector, right? Who was who was Zoe Saldana's buyer to her freedom. Right. And then uh, after that, uh, they lose it to the evil bad guys of Ronan and uh, right. Amelia and the, Pond, who I'm blanking on her character's name. Amelia Pond wasn't? Oh, she was. Uh, she was ne- Nebula. Nebula, yeah. That, Nebula. That was Amelia Pond. Oh, my God, you're right. I'm looking on IMDb. Holy so shit. They that lose was, that. I had no idea. You didn't know that? I had no idea. She showed up to Comic-Con, not this year, but last year, with like a shaved head, and she and she couldn't I talk about the, why. I remember that. Yeah, she couldn't say why she showed up to Comic-Con with her head shaved. That's right, because she had a wig on because she was doing a Doctor Who panel. Just like Matt Smith showed up to Comic-Con with his, his head shaved, couldn't say why. Hello, Terminator. That's very true. That's very but, true. But yeah, so they lose wow. this stone... And then they convince uh, of Zandu, Zandar, that they need to team up. Zandar? The 
fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> the guy with the red mohawk who could whistle that spear around. Oh, uh, oh, you're talking about uh, Yondu. The... Yes. Uh, yes, Yondu. Uh, they team up with Yondu, and you find out Yondu is not just in charge of like a small group of Ravagers, but there's like an entire like fucking army of like at least twelve thousand Ravagers. Right, and you also find out that uh, that it, played by Michael Ro- uh, Rooker, Rooker. Rooker. A, from, uh, Walking from Walking Dead, Dead. and Mallrats. But but also at this point, you find out that he's the one that took Peter as a kid and ad- uh, took him, and then. Uh, you know, showed him the ropes and, you know, kind of, kind of raised him. But so he, he convinces, uh, Peter Quill convinces Michael Rooker's character that yes, if we team up, we'll get it back. And then, and I'll give it to you. And then big, big, big battle ensues. Lots of ships crash. Shit blows up. And at the end, Drax, or not Drax, but um, Lee Pace's character. Why I just saw this film three fucking times. Ronan. Ronan winds up on the planet with an Infinity Stone. Big deal. If the Infinity Stone touches a blade of grass, the entire planet goes boom. And that brings me to the set. My second favorite part of the film. The dance off. Right. Is is so so uh, the the Guardians have successfully crashed Ronan's ship. Ronan is presumed to be a dead, but anyone who knows anything about comic book villains is if you don't actually see them die, you have to assume that they are alive. They always come back at the last minute. Exactly. That's what he does. Ronan comes out of the ship, and he's about to strike the ground, and Peter just starts dancing out of nowhere because uh, his ship has crashed, and his awesome volume, his awesome mix volume one tape survived and is still playing. Is playing, so he starts dancing the music, and which it, is the most uncharacteristic thing that you expect to see, right? And you, and so he's just like, "What the hell is going on?" And he's and like, I just love the little dance off where he's like, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna pass it to you, Gorma," and Gorma just stands there and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna take it back, take it back." All right, and he just keeps doing it, and Gorma's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm distracting you." What do you mean? And then. Bam! In comes Drax, and uh, he launches this missile at his, uh, I guess, hammer. Since he is right, a, right. A, a it, so, so instead of actually trying to kill Ronan, uh, he shoots uh, Ronan's hammer and separates the Infinity Stone, stone from, from, it. from the hammer. Chris Pratt grabs it. They all form a, a, a circle bond of friendship because right, because one person can't handle the right. strain of well, the Infinity but, Stone. But we kind of skipped over this. Is not only cannot one person handle it, but groups of people have tried in the past. To handle it, and it hasn't worked out either. And you like, can hold it for maybe like forty-five seconds, right? But only like a god like Thanos can actually like hold it. And then they nuke the mat, or well, they nuke Lee Pace's character back to hell. Right, right. Uh, did they? No, they just killed him. Yeah, no. I mean, like Chris Pratt suddenly gains control with the help of his four, well, yeah, four friends because Groot's nuked to pieces by then, right? And uh, he focuses all the energy of the Infinity Stone he's he's holding on to. Onto Ronan. Onto Ronan and blows him away. The end. Everybody's happy. Right. And Groot grows back. Right. And Groot's growing back. There is one huge... Because because after after they they kill Ronan, the big question is, like, what's going on? Like, you should have... You all should have been dead. And I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, but that was that was that was no surprise to me. I knew what was coming. Oh, really? Yes, I didn't, because, but I never read the comics. Because before Guardians of the Galaxy came out, I went and found the only Guardians of the Galaxy trade paperback that you could find out at at the time, and I read it. Oh, did so you? So I know I knew all of this. Well, I, I still don't want to uh, spoil it, but there you go. I get the line at the end when Michael Rooker turns to one of his compatriots as they take off to space, and he goes, "I'm glad we never delivered." Peter to his father, that guy's a dick. Right, right. I get that line. Yeah, I know yeah. what it means. Burying more than I wanted to bury, Sam. 
you want some spoilers there, I could ruin the whole damn thing for Don't you. Don't do it. Uh, so, go see this movie. Go see this movie. It is so good. You got an A- minus in Entertainment Weekly. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone, who is sometimes kind of harsh toward comic book movies, gave it three and a half, almost four stars. Right. Everything I've seen has just been amazing. You're not going to regret it. Chris Pratt, awesome. Vin Diesel, awesome. Bradley Cooper, awesome. Dave Bautista, a WWE wrestler, making his big screen debut, actually cared for the guy. Uh, which one was he? Because I'm not a big WWE fan. He was Drax the Destroyer. That was a wrestler? Yes, before that. That was a WWE wrestler? Yes, before that, he had done nothing but WWE wrestling. Holy shit, he is so much better than The Rock. <laughs> and if you want to know what I'm talking about, go listen to this week's uh, Afternoon Delight on the Editing Bay channel as Joe and I talk about The Rock's new movie, Hercules. Yes, he was known as Dave Batista the Animal. Holy and shit. And he wrestled for the longest time. Holy shit. That dude was amazing. Look at Andre the Giant and Princess Bride. He didn't really have a whole lot of lines. But still, good character. But a good character because his character Wrestlers was... Wrestlers can was, be good actors. I'm not going to say Rowdy Rowdy Piper necessarily was great in, <laughs> in, in, in They Live, but still, pretty good movie. Right. I'm just saying, though, is like is uh, the acting... Ability blew me away. Yeah. Holy shit. I had no idea that dude was an act, uh, a wrestler. I was, yeah. When they first announced that, that they had cast Dave Batista as Drax, I was like, oh, shit. I just, shit, I, shit, shit, shit. Not that I don't like Dave Batista. He is actually one, one of my favorite wrestlers, but I just, I didn't know whether he could act or not. See, I just, I don't follow wrestling, so I have no idea. Anything else you want to say about this? Go see it. Yeah, go see it. Go see it. Go see it. All right, let's talk about what's coming out on DVD and comic books and in movie theaters. Although, I would still... I looked at the new release in theaters, and I would still say, well, yeah, there's one. There's one. But uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. All right, new on DVD uh, today, Tuesday the 5th. Yes. I don't know why. Tuesday, I, August 5th. I don't know why. 2014. I, I don't know why I decided to add in the date. I really don't. New on DVD today. First off, we have Aaron Paul's first movie since doing Breaking Bad, Need for Speed. This, of course, is based off of the Need for Speed video games. I say that really lightly because they actually tried to do a plot in this movie. And like the video games is like okay, well, I'm street racing. But I was kind of curious to see this cuz I played the video games when like I was in high school and college a lot. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I heard such iffy things about it. Yeah. Also on DVD today, Divergence. I saw it. I like Did it. you really? I saw the preview and all I could think about is like okay, this is just like Hunger Games but set in an urban setting. No, there's, I mean, yes, it kind of has a Hunger Games feel to it, but uh, Shane Lee, Shane Lee, Shane Lee Atwood, wow, talk about a hard name to pronounce there. Yeah, she, you, you, from, would, you from, would think she would have gone with a, um, uh, just Shay Atwood. Or, or yeah, like, a, what is it when an actor changes their name for the state, a screen name? Yes. You know, but no, stick to original. All right. I uh, think it's the best movie. Interesting, for your you know, kind of like this utopian society that people all working in, in different factions to keep, 
the world safe in kind of a post-apocalyptic, we nuked each other, this is how we're rebuilding society. It's Hollywood cashing in on the Twilight, on on the post-Twilight saga. Yeah. Because they realized Twilight made all these movies that are ushering all these teeny books into into films. This one, though, not bad. Hunger Games, also good. Uh, I like this one a lot. Go watch it. I, I had no desire. I was like, you know, I, I'm already watching the Hunger Game series. Trust me, it's it's different enough that you're not going to think you're watching the Hunger Games. Oh, and and I, I I I I I agree with you on that, but I'm wondering if it's going to be as good, like quality wise. I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah, Sam. I also question a lot of your, you know, likes in movies sometimes. I'm sorry. That's just how I am. It's okay. I got better taste than you. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Also on DVD this week is Oculus. Uh, funny, because this has some tie-ins with Guardians of the Galaxy, is because uh, Karen uh, Gillian, Gillian, who, as I just learned, was um, was in Guardians, is, oh, shit, the lead, role, the lead role in Oculus. And you mentioned that the wrestler from the WWE was in, was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oculus is a WWE film. And I cannot believe that the WWE made a film, and it's actually at a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. That surprises me a ton. I, I, I don't know what else to say. Oculus, I don't know. Oh, shit. No, Oculus. A woman okay. tries to exonerate her brother who no. was convicted of a well, murder right. by proving the crime was committed by a supernatural phenomenon. No, no, no. Is I thought Oculus was a PG-13 movie. And I hate when I see a horror movie that looks really good, and then it's like PG-13. It's like, well, shit, I know they are going to hold back some shit uh, because they got the PG-13 rating. And I thought that's what Oculus did, because I thought it looked good, but I thought it was PG-13, so I thought they were holding out. But no, it's actually an R-rated, so I actually might pick it up. 74%, that's pretty good for Rotten Tomatoes. Sam, what's coming out on uh, in uh, the world of comics? Yeah, that would be the one. Uh, over on the Marvel side, uh, Marvel's kind of taking some more of its digital comics and putting them out on print. Uh, I got to read part one of this series on Friday because people were giving away free comic books at my screening of Guardians of, of the Galaxy. What? Oh, well, you went on opening weekend. Yeah. See, I went today. But so I read, I got to read part one of this. This is Marvel's Deadpool Dracula uh, Gauntlet, right. number five. Number five of seven. Yes. <sighs> God. It's, a, have, it's I, a good series. Oh, I, I, I just have so much I need to do that. Jeff, since this was free, I'll give you my copy of this. Oh, you? Ha- Fuck yeah. I got a copy of issue number one of, of this series. Where? For free. Like, they were giving away at, like, the movie theater that I was going to. Oh, I wasn't really paying attention. I thought you got, like, the ra- Rocket Raccoon no. comic. On Friday, a, a local comic book store was trying to drum up business by giving away free comic books to people who were on their way into the screen. So you got Deadpool Dracula Gauntlet number one for free? Yeah. First printing? I don't know if it's first printing. I, I'll have to check. Come on. What did Brian teach us? I'll Come have to on. check. Come on, the barcode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The barcode. The barcode. First three are the issue. Yeah. Second one is... It's either the variant, variant cover or, or the, the issue w- number, and the third one, the third one's variant cover. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's so, right. Yes, Ish, will... is thir- fourth number is issue cover. Uh, fifth one is. So uh, I'll have to check it out. Is variant cover. But anyway, representing the hit Infinity comic in print for the first time, Deadpool and his bride to be take on the forces of Dracula for keeps, plus an all new epilogue story. I need, dude. We need to go comic book shopping. I am so fucking far behind. 
What do you What are you doing Wednesday? <laughs> Doctors. Oh, fuck. Okay. But Jeff, we'll what, have to do it after uh, I get back from vacation. S- since you're a d- resident dead fan here, uh, any ideas what this new epilogue story is going to be about? Uh, if they're wrapping up kind of a Dracula story franchise where Deadpool and his succubus wife to be are taking on the forces of the undead. Well, right. Yeah. You were. Just to clarify, we're still talking about Deadpool, right? Gaunt, uh, Dracula's Gauntlet. Yes. Yeah. This this is just a story. This is uh, this is number five of seven, and Deadpool stole Dracula's woman, and that's what this story arc is about. Is I mean, I can't go into any more detail because, like I said, I haven't been able to go to the comic book shop for a while, so I'm way fucking behind. And f- all I know about it is that's what it's about. Is is you know is you have the big Deadpool wedding issue, and this is kind of giving a backstory of how the two of them met. It's a, it's it's a good series. <laughs> it's really good. Wait, what number are you on? Obviously, one. Oh well, so, then shut up. You don't know. You one don't... ends with a cliffhanger of Dracula about to suck. Don't say a fucking word, man. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> so anyway, that's going to be on Jeff's list, and I always try to throw Jeff a bone here with whenever I see a Deadpool pop up on the radar. What else you got? Uh, moving on, Punisher number nine, friend from foe crossover in the middle of the Pacific. The Punisher finds himself fighting alongside or against. Black Widow for access to a deadly criminal network, but the clock is ticking. Will Frank and Natasha be able to complete their mission before they are taken down by their enemies or each other? People are like, maybe who is Black Widow? She's played Black Widow is the Scarlett Johansson character from the Avengers. Basically, you kind of have two personality types that could work well together or clash really well together because they're both very violent people who believe that killing can be a means to an end. So this is an interesting team up, interesting story. Will their clashing personalities work? Will they learn to you know use their shoot first, shoot more when everybody's dead, try to ask a question mentality to their advantage, or will it turn on them? I don't know. You're going to have to read and find out for yourself. Yep. And those are my two Marvels. Skipping on over to DC Comics. Jeff, do you look like you have something you want to say? No, I don't, Sam. All right. We have Harley Quinn number nine. Oh, wait. Hold on. Now, actually, I do. You well, skipped. Shit. You skipped over. Uh, we were cause just because we've been talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Rocket Raccoon number two is also out this week. All right. I, I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just looking at Duncanville's poll list, mm-hmm. and it's listed. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, did you say that? And I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. Can I get back to my, you know, my, my comic book reviews? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Whatever. <laughs> uh, on DC side, we have Harley Quinn number nine. When Harley fills in as a burlesque dancer, she kills it on the main stage, literally. But what happens when she gets caught by the cops and finds herself face-to-face with her most devoted stalker? A, this one just kind of like oozes awesomeness because it's Harley Quinn being a burlesque dancer. The girl is batshit crazy out of her mind. Any man that tries to like rub up against her, like throw like a 20 on the stage, will probably get a sledgehammer, a knife, or a boot hill through his throat, which could kind of be funny in the sense of Harley Quinn doing it. Uh, but what caught my eye is face-to-face with her most devoted stalker. To me, that kind of hints, and this could be me really far-reaching here, but bringing back the Joker maybe to the DC Universe because he's kind of been out of it. Has he? Yeah. So then who's <clears throat> Batman been fighting? Ra's al Ghul. 
Killer Croc, Mr. Freeze. I thought Raz, I thought I thought Raz Al Ghul was only in the Dark Knight series. The no, he is a legitimate character from the Batman lore. Oh, really? I th- I I just I thought he Batman was never a big one for me, and so when I saw him introduced in the uh, Christopher Nolan Dark Knight series, I thought like okay, he was just part of like no. Frank Miller's <clears throat> Dark Knight series. And after seeing all the hype for this TV series at uh, Comic Con. Uh, I'm gonna start really buying into this comic book series and start reading it. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get. Okay, wait. First, what's the? What I want to guess this. What is? What network is this TV show on? NBC. Okay, so Constantine. Yes. Okay. Constantine number seventeen. Well, are are they calling it Constantine now? Or yeah, no, they're no longer calling it Hellblazer. They really? Yeah, it's now Constantine. That has to be because of the movie and like it's just more it, people recognize associate the, the name better with Constantine exactly. than Hellblazer but because it's, because it's Hellblazer featuring Constantine as the main character right? yes but uh, not to sound egotistical but if you're a purist like uh, I am it's Hellblazer you would, you would automatically recognize it as Hellblazer well but do you think that maybe you know and this is just speculation I haven't read anything about it but do you think maybe they're doing a Constantine's uh, launching a, a, the series as Constantine and then going to take Hellblazer in another direction? I don't know. Do you think that could be a possibility? This I'll is tell just you, for shits and giggles? Maybe, yeah. I'll tell you, uh, some of my favorite like things in movies and TV and, and literature and comics is, you know, person out of time scenarios, you know, where like somebody from the future goes back to the past or somebody winds up like in an alternate dimension. Because it's funny to see how the character reacts to the, you know, changes in the world around them. So Constantine number 17, John Constantine is no stranger to death, but he's never seen it on this scale. A spell gone terribly wrong has sent him back through time to World War II. Unfortunately, he's not the only mage in the, in the trenches. And when death has this much power, black magic couldn't be more dangerous. So like I said, it could be funny to see Constantine in World War II because he's from our time and seeing how he's going to react to that environment around him. Also, it sounds like he has a pretty awesome bad guy to fight here. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely going to pick up number 17 and probably start my kickoff of the Hellblazer with Constantine 17. Why would you jump into the... See, I'm, I would just be like, I, if I want to read 17, I have to go back and read 1 through 16. That's, but that's just me. You know what I'm going to do? Go back and read 1 through 16. Well, I, I bet they're... In, I bet I'm going to go search the complete biography of John Constantine when I get home tonight and read up on everything he's ever done, and then I'll be caught up. Okay. Okay. All right. Anything else? Nope. That's it for comics. All right. Coming out in theaters this week. Uh, first off, uh, you know, I'm not normally a big fan of these type of movies, but I watched the preview and I kind of i i was I was laughing and I almost kind of felt like crying, and I could really relate to this. Uh, there's a movie coming out called What If, and it's starring uh, Daniel Radcliffe, aka Harry Potter. And uh, Zoe Kazan, who I believe is from Two Broke Girls. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, let me double check that. Mm, oh, shit. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't show, um, whatchamacallit, um, their whole biography. Just, just the Oh, movies. yeah. This, I saw this trailer. So, it looked really good. So What If is a story about, is about Daniel Ratcliffe, who has just gotten out of a really bad relationship. And he's kind of moping around. And his roommate's like, hey, let's go to a party. And at the party, his roommate introduces uh, him to his cousin. And the two of them hit it off, and they're having a great time. And she's like, oh, let me give you my number. And then they go out on a date, or at least you think it's a date. And then at the end of it, she's like, yeah, I got to get back home. Otherwise, my boyfriend starts to worry. And then you're just like, 
uh, and he's just like, oh, shit. And she's like, okay, so we're just friends. And so then they essentially just are friends, and they're hanging out all this time. And then after becoming such good friends, the question starts to arise of, like, what is going on? Like, she has a boyfriend. You know this. You guys hang out all the time. You're essentially now best friends. Are you trying to get into her pants? And, like, it just asks this question of, like, well, what if this happened? What if this happened? And I felt like I could really relate. It just shows that men and women can't be friends because at one point the other one's going to want to have something more. Well, well for the most part. I, I'm not saying this happens every time. Right. I got some friends who are girls who I'm fine just being their friend, you know? Right. Unless, unless you want to go Chris Rock's bit of, like, you know, well, guys have girls that they want to fuck and then ones they keep, you know, in reserve. But so, anyways, I, when I watched this preview, I felt like I could really fucking relate. because So I've, do I. Because I've been there where Daniel Ratcliffe's character has been, which is, like, you really like a girl and you think something might actually happen. And then, like, out of nowhere, bam, fucking friend zone. And so it's just kind of talking about that, and it it, it's, it looks like it's going to be a rom-com. I was laughing my ass off within the first 10 seconds because you see Daniel Ratcliffe's uh, roommate. They're sitting at a kitchen table, and his roommate's just shirtless, and you hear a ding go off, and he pulls nachos out of the oven, and he's just like, I just had sex, and now I'm eating nachos. Like, and just the way he said it made me laugh so fucking hard. So what if is coming out? Also coming out, uh, Into the Storm. I call it Twister 2. Yeah, Twister 2. I actually had a chance to see this at Comic-Con for free, and I passed. I don't blame you. The only big actress that I really noticed was Sarah uh, Wayne, Wayne uh, Collies. Uh, wait, is that her? Is that the uh, walking mom from Walking Dead? It is. Okay, that's what I thought. So you have the mom from Walking Dead, who is the most recognizable character that I that I saw. It's essentially a story about a fucking giant twister. Storm, storm trackers, tra- thrill seekers, and everyday town people document an unprecedented onslaught of tornadoes touching down in the town of Silverton. Yeah. yeah okay. Twister part two. Yeah. More cows. Yeah, exactly. Fuck my flamingos. <laughs> Finally. Coming out, ooh, shit, this is, oh, I thought this would be rating higher. Wow. Um, Michael Bay's, I'm just saying that, because, like, if you talk to Joe, he just saw Transformers 4, and just, like, was sh- he just said it was shit, just hated it. And Michael Bay has a pretty big hand in this one, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He didn't direct it. Oh, he didn't? Oh, he's just a producer? Yeah, kind of producer and kind of like a creator. Then who directed it? Jonathan Liebsman. Do you know what we would know him from, Sam? Well, if you give me one second, I'm sure I can find out what we know Mr. Jonathan Liebsman from. Okay, so... Uh, we know him from... Oh, my gosh. Oh, shit. What do we know him from? Battle Los Angeles. Oh. Wrath of the Titans. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The Beginning. And uh. Darkness Falls. I don't even remember. Darkness Falls sounds so familiar, but I can't place it. Dude, just Wrath of the Titans, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning, and Battle Los Angeles. Fuck, no wonder this movie right now is rating at a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. Michael Bay should have just directed it himself. Uh, Why, so it could rate even fucking lower? More explosions. And Megan Fox is in it playing April O'Neil. 
he did that because you you put Megan Fox in a tight yellow leather outfit and boys are going to cough the change. But but you know, you and I were kind of talking about this before we started recording, you know, Michael Bay, well Megan Fox had some really not nice things to say about Michael Bay during the Transformers filmings and referred to him like a, that like he was like a Nazi with his schedule and as a result Michael Bay, you know, was like, "Okay, you're done. You're not in my film uh, anymore." which might have actually been a good thing. Uh, but it's just surprising to me that then he would turn around and be like, okay, I'm producing this film. I have a say in it, and I'm going to allow Megan Fox. He has an, I, his, his name is big enough to where he could have been like, they were like, okay, we're going to get Megan Fox for April O'Neil. Michael Bay could have stepped in and said no. And I just, I just don't get why after she said that shit about him. I'm not saying she's wrong. I mean, I've heard some really bad horror stories about about Michael Bay recently, but I just don't get why he would allow her to be in the film after she talked so much shit about him. I kind of hope this movie does well. I was a big fan of Ninja Turtles as too. a kid. I own like the original '90s Ninja Turtles one and two movies on DVD. I noticed how you left out three. I don't have any problem with three. A lot of people have problem with three, but yeah, I just li- don't. Li- listen to the most recent episode of the editing bay. They have a huge problem with that. But episode, I mean, cast includes, like you said, Megan Fox, Will Arnett. This one came out of left field for me. Johnny Knoxville voicing Leonardo. Okay. <clears throat> the wisest and calmest Ninja Turtle. You would think Knoxville would, would be more of a Michelangelo. Well, but didn't uh, didn't Corey Feldman voice him too? No, Corey Feldman voiced Donatello in the 90s films. Oh, did he? Okay. Uh, you also have Alan Richin, who you may be asking, who is that? He was Thad Castle on Blue Mountain State, is Raphael. I, I didn't watch Blue Mountain State. Uh, but I mean, so I mean, there's some, Whoopi Goldberg's in this film. Yeah. Tony Shalhoub. <sighs> Whoopi Goldberg right there just doesn't doesn't do it for me. Um, <laughs> I have high hopes for this film. I um, do too, but dude, we got to talk about this. The the way the turtles look, it doesn't bother me at really? all. Really, no. really, they look so fucking weird. It's like it's. They I, look like if you took a real turtle and mutated it into a human person. I th- Do you want to go back to the Jim Henson leather outfit? Yes, yes, practical effects. Yes, 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 yes. A thousand times yes. Because this was all done in guys wearing turtle-like mocap suits, which makes no. I mean. If you're already doing mocap, why do they already have to be somewhat like turtle-shaped s- suits? I don't know. It's funny because I saw what they looked like, and it was guys with like wearing a headband with like a big silver ball in front of their face and a huge gray turtle shell on their back with mocap balls all over it, and it was all mocapped. I don't know. I don't Ninja Turtles. Yeah. If you're from Jeff and Mind's generation, you grew up watching it. You were a huge I mean, fan I'll, of I'll it. I'll probably go see it. I'm not gonna lie. I will probably go I'll see pr- it. I, I I got plans to go see it on Sunday at Alamo Drafthouse. Are they sponsoring us? Because that's the second time you've dropped their name. Like, are you getting a check and, and I don't know about it? <laughs> well, no, I just, I'm a huge fan of Alamo Draft House. They have great service, good drinks, and a nice, friendly environment to go see a movie in. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'll isolate that part and you can email it to them. Alamo right. Draft House, when no other theater will do. Fuck. All right, Sam, you got, uh, you got anything else for new releases you want to talk about? <laughs> no. You got anything for? Uh, oh shit! I forgot. Uh, nope. I mean, if you're if you're a Doctor Who fan, go get this uh, week's Inter- Entertainment Weekly. It's all Doctor Who devoted. Peter oh, wow. Capaldi is on the cover. Wow! I just saw the uh, 50th anniversary uh, with uh, all the Doctors just hit Hulu. Did you cry? 
I had no, I haven't um, watched it yet. I, j- I just saw it. Oh, let me tell you what I happens. Just, no, I'm just don't kidding. Don't be an asshole. Uh, I actually do have something for Oh Shit I Forgot, and that is, you know, last week we were talking about during Comic Con, there was that Deadpool two minute uh, footage release. Yeah, with Ryan footage, Reynolds uh, doing. Well, he wasn't playing Deadpool; he was just doing the voiceover. No, uh, somebody tweeted a behind the scenes photo. He was once again wearing a mocap suit, doing all the oh jumping around wow. and doing a good wow. chunk of that stuff. So, anyways, more and more info is coming out about about the possibility of a Deadpool film, and. I saw this article, and the headline was "Why the Deadpool film is going to be PG-13 and why it can still be great." Mm. See, that was my initial reaction: was Man, you can't make Deadpool PG-13. But then I really started thinking about it, and I think they can pull it off, and it can be good as PG-13. Why? Okay, well, first of all, if if you saw that test footage with Ryan Reynolds, you noticed he was cussing a lot. Whenever you read Deadpool, is they bleep out his cursing. So I feel like they can get around the cursing aspect. The only thing that really is, um, is going to be a, a deal is the violence. And really, you look at PG-13 movies today, and like, you know, especially like you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, there was some really violent shit in there for it being a PG-13 movie. I mean, there's that one scene where Groot stretches his arm out and pierces like five guys at once and then like you know swings them back and forth killing other guys that was really violent the uh creator of deadpool uh oh god is oh it's only showing his twitter name so it's all fucking bunched together uh robert i can't believe i know i don't know this guy's name off the top of my head anyways the the creator of deadpool has come out and he he said uh, the uh, this is from his Twitter account the brilliant screenplay has been uh, oh no wait oh yeah uh, has uh, been been brilliantly modified R is not a blockade any longer so he and then he's also said uh, he's also said this about it being R versus PG thirteen uh, Wolverine impales people with his claws in uh, on on film all the time without. Uh, without drawing blood uh and uh, oh god essentially what he's saying is you look at a wolverine the comic books allude to everything and you can allude to it in in a film but but essentially what he's saying is like you look at a wolverine movie and he's constantly stabbing people but when he pulls out his blades there is no blood on his blades and that is essentially what makes the difference between a pg-13 movie and an r-rated movie is if wolverine were to stab someone and he pulls out uh, his blades from the stomach and there's blood on it it's going to be an r-rated film no blood it's going to be a pg-13 rated film so essentially what the creator of deadpool is getting at is like you can still show all this violence but as long as there's not any blood then it's still going to get the pg-13 rating which I find is extremely fucked up, and I'm kind of going back to there's a documentary called This Film Is Not Yet Rated that talks about all about the rating system and how fucked up it is. And and I and I agree with Kevin Smith. Is like he's like, you know, when you have these PG thirteen movies that show all this violence and then no blood, it's teaching kids and it's showing kids that like, you know, there is no downside to violence. You gotta show them that there is a downside to violence. So I think they can still do a Deadpool as a PG-13 and get away with it, and it still be as good as everyone wants it to be. 
Would I be happier with an R rating? Absolutely, because then with an R rating, then you can push the boundaries more. But, you know, first of all, the language. Okay, language isn't that big a deal because, like I already said, in the comic books, they bleep out the curse words. And I actually think it might actually be kind of funny if they if they do a Deadpool movie and in the lines they curse and then in post they bleep them all out or do something to censor them, and then that also leads way to like an unrated DVD release. And like I said with the violence, is you can show all these people dying, being shot, being stabbed, whatever, essentially as long as there's no squibs and there's no blood, then it's going to be PG-13. And with Deadpool, with these fast-paced action sequences, is you can easily get around not showing any blood because, you know, he's like walking down a hallway and just taking on all these guys and it's just a quick movement and well, you don't he did see it in Wolverine the Origins I right mean, he comes out of the elevator killing right. all those the, guys the other thing that should really give you hope is they're still going based off of the script that was written by the guys that did uh Zombieland so the guys behind Zombieland were the writers uh at least the current the current <laughs> script that uh, that is out there at Fox is the one that the guys from Zombieland wrote so that should also give you a lot of hope and there's Still a little, you know, is Ryan Reynolds going to be in it? Is he not? That's still kind of up in the air. I do. After seeing that test footage and watching it like 20, 30 times, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of convinced that, yes, Ryan Reynolds should play Deadpool. Oh, I do have one thing for, oh, shit, I forgot. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I, I threw this up on our on our Facebook page. Jeff, what is our Facebook page? Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash My Comic Life Podcast or just do a search for My Comic Life in the Facebook search bar. One of our fans actually commented on this and said that this is old news, but it was new news to me. And you know what? If we haven't heard it, it's new to me. Yeah. Uh, Marvel has regained the film rights to Ghost Rider, Blade, and The Punisher. That's but awesome. President Kevin Feige says right now there is no film for any of those projects in the work as of yet. See, and I think that once and uh, they will get the rights back from Spider-Man because eventually Sony's going to fuck it up enough to where they release a Spider-Man and no one's going to give a shit and it's a flop. And they're going to lose money. And they're going to lose money and then they're just not going to make a Spider-Man, then they'll lose the rights to it and Marvel will get it back and my th- I think I think so I'm getting at Marvel I believe will get their rights back to where Sony can't make any more shitty Spider-Man movies and once that happens I think Marvel will do what they're doing now with the Ghost Rider and Punisher and that is lay off of it for a while. I would like to see another Punisher movie. I want to see Thomas Jane back in the role. I this is what makes me concerned about Marvel being teamed up with Disney for their studio is I feel like sometimes, you know, Disney, I'm not saying they have, but I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if Disney, you know, was like, no, we're Disney. We're not doing an R-rated film. And I think that can kind of hurt Marvel in the long run, you know, is because Marvel does have a lot of adult-themed comics that would make great great movies and when it goes through marvel studios and it goes through disney i think that you know disney might have a say and might and might say no you can't do this because the one good thing disney's done is let marvel be like let marvel do marvel yeah. they've cashed in on like the marketing part of it well right and no but, one no one markets better than disney but they've backed off being like you can't show this or you can't do that have they really do you think guardians of the galaxy could have been made if disney had had a hand in it 
yeah, there were, there were some dick jokes in uh, in uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy where I was like, Disney allowed this? It's because Disney owns Marvel, but like they're not. They're saying, hey, Marvel, yeah, Marvel, you do you. We're gonna leave you alone for right now. Okay, that does give me hope, but then that also makes me wonder, like, then why isn't Marvel putting out? Their adult themed comics as R-rated movies. I think some of them that like have flopped so hard have been so poorly received that, they, like you said, they're going to take a break from it just for a little while. Right. Let people kind of forget about the terrible Punisher sequel and the terrible Ghost Rider sequel and oh, Blade God. Three. God, oh, God, <clears throat> I, f- I forgot about Blade Three. Yada. You, for all you fans out there, go look up an interview on Patton Oswalt's thoughts on Blade Three <laughs> and about how Wesley Snipes wasn't on film for almost half of the movie and it was his stunt double. Oh, filmed wow. in for a lot of it. Wow, I did not know that. All right, Sam, I think that's going to do it for us today. Don't forget, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mycomiclifepodcast. We're also on Twitter at mycomic underscore life. Uh, once again, if you're listening to us through iTunes, please, if you would be so gracious to go in and give us a couple stars, and then if you're feeling really, really gracious, fill out that little comment section, and that helps us out more than you would ever believe. Sam, close it out for us. Quick little food for thought for all you Hoovians. Or not. <laughs> Quick little food for thought for all you Hoovians out there before I close this out. Uh, maybe we're all Time Lords out there searching for our fob watches. Think on that. Ditch to herd, be a nerd. Stay strong out there, my friends. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.